0: It's important that we become increasingly biblical. I want y'all to give me your best here. It's only going to be about 10 minutes. It's important that we become increasingly biblical. As I'm planting a church, we have a core group, and we're getting established. I want to make sure that I lay a good foundation in every area. And in the days to come, I want to make sure that y'all know that our ministry is not going to do things like celebrate Halloween, for example. It just will never happen. I don't believe that it's a, a godly holiday and not only that when it comes to christmas time i love i love christmas and all that but i want the focus to be about jesus so at our church you're not going to see a whole bunch of you know rudolphs and all these other ridiculous things it's going to be about jesus okay and i'm not saying there's anything that's wrong with those things i'm just saying that it's not going to be about that now with easter it's interesting because if everybody just hear my heart um as far as Christmas goes, it's, it's a little bit different. I, I have a Christmas tree every year, and I love the decorations my wife decorates. But with Easter, it's, it's kind of interesting because Easter, the word Easter, the name, actually is derived from Ishtar. And you can look this up. There's people that maybe have never heard this that are going to listen to this sermon. You can look this up yourself, but, so don't just tune me off. I mean, go go look it up, and you will see that I'm telling you facts, Okay. Whenever Constantine, it was a Roman emperor back many, many years ago. When he said he became a Christian, he converted. Whether it was legitimate or not, nobody really knows. Only God knows his heart. But it was a, it was a very political thing. Because for many years, the church had been very violently persecuted. They were put in coliseums. They were burned alive. They were hated. But the persecution kept the church very pure. And nobody in their right mind would claim to be a Christian unless they were. It was a death sentence. So the church was very pure. When Constantine became a Christian or said that he did, he began to make it the religion of the state. And pretty much anybody at that point could say, well, I'm a Christian. In fact, it was politically correct to call yourself a Christian. So all of a sudden now, the church opened the door and the floodgates for just any and everybody. Does that make sense? And Constantine began to move very much away from our Jewish heritage as Christians. Now, what you've got to understand is is that everything about the New Testament has its roots in the Old Testament. Okay, That's the roots. And if you take the foundation and somehow you could pull the foundation out from underneath the house and leave the house sitting there, if you could do that, you know as well as I do that it's not going to take much. That house is going to start falling all apart. And that's exactly what happened. Constantine had a, a meeting. is referred to as the Council of Nicaea. And this is a famous time. This is obviously, um, I heard somebody talk about it the other day, but I've studied this myself and most of us have talked about this before. But in the Council of Nicaea, the church moved away from everything that was Jewish and they began to move toward um, more of what Constantine was taking them in the direction that they were where it was became more Roman and less Jewish you understand what I mean? Well one of the things that the church became Catholic it began to move more and more into the dark ages but one of the things that the Catholic Church did was it it blended paganism and Christianity together. It did this a lot. One of the things that the Catholic Church did was, They blended Ishtar together with the Passover because they were getting away from the Passover. They were getting away from the fact it was Jewish. And what Ishtar, if you study it, it's a demonic spirit that was worshipped by the pagans. And it's a fertility thing. And the reason why the bunny and the eggs are the symbols of Ishtar is because they're symbols of fertility. You understand that the Easter bunny has absolutely nothing to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, or anything in the Bible whatsoever. So, where in the world did it come from? It came from a pagan goddess deity that was worshipped, and it was her fertility symbols. And uh, I'm not condemning anybody, but it just kind of makes me sad to see so many churches that that are into the into that. And, my, my thoughts are this, and I hope you agree with me, but whenever uh, we've had children around the time of Easter, I refer to it as Passover, because that's what it's called in the Bible. Easter's not in the Bible. But whenever we've had them, we've always put the emphasis on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Amen? And not on this other ridiculous stuff. So you're going to see some people that, you know, they're just bound and determined that they're going to do it. That's fine. They can do it at home. That's between them and God. But. As a church, I don't want to do all that stuff. Are y'all with me on that? I don't want to have this big Easter egg thing and, and have somebody dress up in a big bunny costume go run around or whatever. I want the kids, I want the kids to learn about, wait a second, it's not about all that stuff. That's not in the Bible. There's nothing about that that's biblical. I want to learn, I want them to learn about Jesus, about what it actually means, okay? So we're going to put our emphasis on that. And if people, whatever they do in the prophecy of their home, that's between them and God. But listen. What is the big deal about celebrating Passover? Why is it so powerful? Why is it so awesome? Well, did you know in the Bible, anytime you have the law first reference, something's mentioned the first time, you really got to pay attention to it because it sets a precedent for the whole word of God. The Passover is the first feast. Isn't that awesome? I know you guys know this, but the prophetic timeline, Jesus fulfilled the first three, Passover's fulfilled, the next three are going to be fulfilled as Jesus is coming, you know? And so it's a prophetic timeline, but more than that, I believe that the feasts have a power to them. And I believe there's a blessing on celebrating the feast. I really do. The Lord called them in the Bible, he called them his feast, not Israel's feast. Did you know that? He never referred to them as Israel's feast. He referred to them as my feasts. And he said to Israel, he said, you will celebrate these for all generations. So there was not an ending to when they were to cease. So people say, well, what about the church age? God said, these are my feasts, not Israel. So they're for the church also. And he said, it's for all generations. So that means it's for us now, okay? But let me give you some powerful things real quick about Passover. We're going to celebrate Passover, and I want you to celebrate it in faith. Did you know that there is some major... Blessings that come on you for celebrating Passover. Here's, here they are. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, Exodus 23, verses 22 through 25. And around that area, but the first thing that God spoke to the children of Israel was, He said, I'm going to send my angel in front of you to protect you and keep you. Isn't that awesome? So the blood of Passover that was put on the doorpost. There was a death angel that passed over and killed the Egyptians. But listen, whether it was the same angel or not, I don't know. But the Lord said, I'm going to send my angel to go in front of you. And I'm going to send my angel to be with you and protect you. I believe the first blessing of Passover is that you're coming under the blood fresh and new. It's like a start of a new year, spiritually speaking. And there's something about angelic protection that will come. About celebrating Passover Did you know that Did you know it was connected You see them celebrate Passover You see them apply the blood And then you see angelic activity I believe the first blessing is God says I'm going to send my angel in front of you And I'm going to send my angel to be with you And protect you Now isn't that an awesome blessing The second blessing is God said I will be an enemy to your enemies How many wants God to be an enemy to your enemies because if God fights your battles, you're not going to lose. That's the second blessing. God will be an enemy to your enemies. The third blessing, God said, I will if you worship serve me, I will bless your food and drink. There's something about that that's so powerful that uh, back then they of course they grew their own crops. but the Lord says, my blessing will settle over your food and drink, I will prosper you. There's something about that with prosperity, supernatural prosperity. The next one is, he says, I will take sickness and disease from your midst. Did you know when the children of Israel were in Egypt and those plagues slammed Egypt and they left? Did you know the Bible says none of them were sick or feeble when they left Egypt? God healed them. And you know as well as I do, they were sick before that because with all the, the labor and being slaves like they were, and, and you know that they were sick. They were sick emotionally. They, they were beat down. And I'm sure they had a lot of physical sickness. But the Lord supernaturally and sovereignly healed them through that Passover. Did y'all catch that? To where when they came out of Egypt, there was none weak or feeble or sick among them. I believe one of the blessings of celebrating Passover has something to do with healing and health. Another thing the Lord says, I will cause the number of your days to be in full on the earth. Meaning that you will live your full lifespan. He also says in the scripture that none will be barren or miscarried. There's something about it that has to do with fertility in a God way, that God's going to bless the womb, those that want to have children, that God's going to bring forth children. How many knows that God can, can kiss you with a blessing at Passover and you'll see the outworking of, of it over the next year? You see what I'm saying? There's something about it that will come upon you That you'll walk out the next year and you're going to see blessing after blessing because of celebrating it. The Lord says there will be increase and inheritance. He says, I will drive the Canaanites little by little out as you possess the promised land. I want you to hear me about this one. Did you know that the children of Israel, when they went to take the promised land, the Lord could have just wiped out the Canaanites. He could have sent the mother of all hell storms, okay? Wiped out all of them, and Israel would have just took it. But the Lord knew that they had to take the promised land little by little so that they could sustain what they took. See, some of you think, I wish that I would just get the total victory right now. Did you know that you'd mess it all up? Did you know that? Did you know you probably wouldn't be able to handle it? And you would open the door back to the devil to come back seven times worse. The Lord is trying to progressively take you to where you're possessing your personal promised land in a way that you can handle it and sustain that victory. Because if the Lord gave you total victory, and then you were like, I'm so free. And then you you can't sustain that. You can't walk in that victory. You don't know how. And so the enemy takes advantage of that and tries to come back even worse. So the Lord is trying to gradually give you victory, whether it's in health, finances, whatever it is, gradually get you delivered and free and in a place where you can handle it. And so people want quick, easy victories, but that God's not about that. He's about developing you and training you. Okay? But I believe that something about the promised land, uh, something about Passover gets you ready for the promised land. I want you to hear that. Something about Passover gets you ready for your promised land. And then there's a special year blessing. What the enemy stole is restored. When the children of Israel also left Egypt, the Bible says that they plundered the Egyptians. See, they were in there. They were, they were beaten. There was whips to their back. They worked long hours with little pay, and the devil stole from them all their wealth. But when the children of Israel left Egypt, they went and asked the Egyptians, and the Egyptians just gave them everything, just threw it on them, said get out of here, and Israel walked out with the wealth of Egypt. So what I'm trying to say is, there's something about this Passover, because all of this I'm telling you all these promises, it surrounds Passover. I can't say that I fully comprehend all of it, but I've known for a long time that there's something about the feast, and I've known for a very long time that there's some kind of a blessing connected to them and as I've studied this out and, I, and I've researched it and I've learned from others, I'm starting to see that it's the way that you begin your year. And there's something about it that you'll see the blessing of the Lord over the year. But how many knows I want to be biblical and get away from the the Gentile Easter? Because you know, it's sad because I can ask kids, what's Easter about it? You're the first thing out of their mouth. Well, the Easter bunny and the Easter eggs and the chocolate and all kinds of candy and And it's like, no, it's not. It's about Jesus. See, Satan is trying to eclipse that with all this other stuff. So let me give you these last things real quick. It says, Passover, or as the Jews call it, Pesach in Hebrew, is one of the seven biblical feast days, and the Lord commanded the Israelites to observe it. It usually is in mid-April, corresponding to um, the Hebrew month of Nisan. It It means, feast means the appointed time. These are the times that God appoints to meet with his people. Did you know that? There's something about it. I believe when Moses allowed the children of Israel to go up the mountain, remember that? He allowed the elders to go up Sinai because Moses had sprinkled blood on them. You remember me teaching on this, okay? Moses shed the blood. He sprinkled it on them. The elders, the leaders went up with Moses up Sinai, and they ate. And the Bible says, the most remarkable thing, says that they ate and they drank and they saw God and they did not die. Now, my personal opinion, I can't probably prove this, but I think that God, because of the blood, they were spared, obviously, but but God so loved that time with them right there. I believe that it moved upon his heart that he was saying, I'm going to make some feasts where people can come spend time with me. There's a reason God created man in the garden was to spend time with him. let me give you a couple quick things. Number one, the feast of Passover commemorates the blood on the doorpost of your life. When you celebrate Passover and we take communion, we're going to take a special communion that night. When we celebrate Passover, we remember the body and the blood of Jesus corporately like that on Passover, which by the way, there's going to be blood moons out. That's going to be interesting. And as we celebrate Passover, there's something about the blood coming over your life that will bring protection. Remember, The blood came on the doorpost of the Israelites and they were protected while the world, the Egyptians, were crippled in their economy and they lost loved ones. The children of Israel did not. The next thing was the Jewish people lived in the land of Goshen, where even though all of these plagues were coming down and and annihilating Egypt, Israel was totally protected and did not experience them. Isn't that something? They lived in the same land. You should look at a map and look at where Goshen is. It's not like it's far, far away in a distant land. They were right next door. That would be like it falling just a few blocks away, but it doesn't affect me. Okay, so these plagues that came in, and think about the plagues. How in the world did all these locusts and frogs and all these things not cripple Israel's economy and affect them? But it didn't. Somehow God supernaturally protected them and provided for them. It was supernatural. They lived in the land of Goshen. Another thing Passover represents is the freedom from sin. How many people have had struggles with sin? And they're frustrated. They feel like the Israelites that they're living in bondage to taskmasters that are trying to beat and oppress them down. There's something about Passover that helps you cross over out of that bondage and into freedom. There's a defeat of the oppressor. Pharaoh was a tyrant. He was the Hitler of his day. He did not want the children of Israel to leave. and But anyway, God changed his mind through the plagues. How many knows that Passover has to do with God saying, Devil, you're going to let my people go. It's not just going to be the people of God saying, Devil, let us go. No, it's God himself saying, I'm going to send plagues. I'm going to deal with the, with the devil's kingdom. And the, and the Lord Himself is declaring over His people, Satan, you're going to let them go. Also, communion with Jesus. The Passover feast, Jesus said, when it came to the Passover, He said to His disciples, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He still eagerly desires to have Passover with us. Isn't that powerful? We are, we are to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. Just like the Lamb was perfect and spotless, just like Jesus was the Lamb of God without sin, Romans 12 says, listen, we need to be holy, living sacrifices, pure and acceptable to the Lord. And we also need to remember this at the time of Passover. When the children of Israel ate the Passover, they had to have their cloak in hand they they girded up their loins they had a staff they were ready it was as though they were ready to depart right then and you know what also is a message of the passover that we need to be ready for Jesus's soon return that's that's what the passover represents we're ready to leave this world we're getting the under the blood we're getting the sin dealt with we're getting ourselves ready and we're ready to get out of here, okay? we got to be ready for his coming. So anyway, that, that is the power of the Passover. Why am I sharing this? Two reasons. I want our church to have a good foundation. Number two, because I want you to do it with faith. If I don't tell you the power of Passover, you're just going to come in and go, oh, well, this is a neat little thing that we do. But if I tell you the power of it, You're going to come in and go, wait a second. This isn't just something that's a neat celebration. When I'm celebrating this, I'm actually bringing on myself blessings for the year. By doing this, I'm actually causing, I'm reaching up and pulling down blessings on me for the coming year. Isn't that awesome? So we're going to be celebrating Passover as a church, April 19th. But I encourage you, it starts on the 14th. I encourage you that you would celebrate it at home first with your family. Sit around and talk about um, the children of Israel leaving Egypt. Sit around and talk about the perfect lamb and and how Jesus is the lamb and about the power of the blood and take communion together. And and go outside this year and look at the blood moons. How many of you guys are going to do that? Because I'm going to be standing outside looking at that blood moon thinking, man, Joel saw that thing, you know, So many years ago, a thousand years ago or whatever, you know, um, I'm sorry, more than 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, whatever. He saw that thing all these thousands of years ago. Joel saw that and prophesied that, that the Lord would turn the moon to blood and the sun to darkness, the lunar and solar eclipse. Isn't that amazing? So we're seeing ancient prophecies fulfilled in our day. right, so Lord, I thank you so much for the awesome power of your word. We want to be able to celebrate Passover together with faith and expectancy, knowing what it represents. So we thank you for it. Where is that? Can you kill the